everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It is Jen Hatmaker here, your happy hostess on the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. So we're in the middle of our For the Love of Books series, and it has been a blast, B-L-A-S-T. I mean, we have talked to some of the most crazy, talented writers and thinkers, and I'm not joking. I have loved every single minute of it and all across the spectrum. I mean, every kind of writer and interesting thinker. I just love it. And you've been fabulous listeners, by the way. Thank you for welcoming this wide array of guests with open arms and with intelligence. I'm always so proud of you. And when writers are like, ah, tell me about your listener. I'm like, don't you worry. They're the best. Um, and so I can't wait for you to meet. Some of you will have positively already known her, but some of you are going to meet my new guest today. And she is, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. This is one of my favorite people. And I love her. This is Shannon Martin on today. She's a speaker. She's a writer who essentially, as she says, she found her voice in the country and found her story in the city. You're going to love all this. Wait, we will unpack every bit of that sentence and you are you're going to be moved by it. So um, she's been blogging since kind of the beginning of blogging. And she started out with a blog, Flower Patch Farm Girl, which may be how you know her. Um, and now she blogs over at Shannon Martin Writes, uh, which we'll link all to that, you guys. But um, her her world has evolved and changed her writing, her content. And, and we've got to see this. Um, and she is a spectacular writer. I mean, so much so when my friend Jessica Honiger was on the show a couple of weeks ago for the second time, by the way, we were talking about Shannon and, and Jessica was like, when I read Shannon's work, I want to eat it. And that is an apt description. So um, Shannon and her husband, Corey, who is the chaplain at their local jail, talk about that too. They have four amazing kids who came to them across oceans and rivers and in the most unlikely ways. And they live in Goshen, Indiana right now. And so we'll talk kind of about where she started and how she got to Goshen and a little bit about her last two books. The first one was Falling Free, which I wrote the forward for gladly with great joy. And the next one is just about to come out. It's called the ministry of ordinary places. And I stamped them with every bit of my seal of approval. They are wonderful. We'll talk about each. And she's just the real deal. I mean, I, that's the kind of person I want in my life. The real kind. She's one of my favorite writers because she doesn't just prescribe all the time. This is how it has to be. This is what it will look like. Do this and you'll get this. Never. What she does is tells her story and the cuts and the scrapes alongside some of the trophies. And she writes beautifully and with a tenderness that is, it'll draw you in for sure. And she is such a good living, breathing example of how to be a good neighbor. I mean, and what does this world need right now more than good neighbors? Um, so this is Shannon in a nutshell. This is how she describes her neighborhood. The world outside our windows is a mashup of buckled sidewalks, heartbroken humans, truant teenagers, and the occasional peel of mariachi. This is God's country. We fit right in. Isn't that great? She's so wonderful. I can't wait for you to meet her. You are going to love this conversation. Please give a warm welcome to Shannon Martin. My friend. Shannon, welcome to the show. I'm so, so, so happy. Yay. Oh, me too. <laughs> I love you so much. And everybody who knows me already knows that. This is not news. Um, you're just, you know, you're just one of my favorite people. And we've been friends for a lot of, a lot of years. We were internet yeah. friends. We, Inter- I know. It's been yes. so long. I mean, so long and so, yeah, so short. I know. I know. And the internet friendship gave way to plenty of in-life friendship. I mean, where were we, Shannon, when you drove over a kind of far, came to the <laughs> event, we went to dinner, shut down the restaurant, and at the at paying the bill at midnight, I found out you guys were driving back home. I know. Where well, were we? I mean, it's Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. So It's far. Well, I mean, kind of, but I mean, I think it was like two hours. It was totally worth it. Oh my gosh. I could not believe it. I'm like, I remember we're like paying the bill and I'm like, so where are you guys staying? And it was cold. What, wasn't it snowing? I think it, it was, was freezing. Yeah. I mean, if you're here between yeah, November fair. and April, it's probably snowing. So 
That is the truest thing you've literally ever said. Um, (laughs) Thank you for being on the show today. I've told my listeners a little bit about you, kind of a snapshot of you and your family and your work. Um, But I wonder if just kind of right here at the top of the show, could you sort of tell everybody a little bit more about you, about your hub and kids, where you live, um, what your family dynamic looks like a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So I met my husband, Corey, at in college, we went to a real small Christian college here in Indiana. We've been married now for about 19 years, and mm-hmm. he is actually the chaplain of our county jail. So we'll probably maybe circle back to some of that yep, in a little bit because mm-hmm. it's like it has just blown the walls out of our life. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's yep. been a really amazing surprise for our family. And then we have four kiddos, all of them came to us through adoption. So they each have really interesting and unique and special stories. Um, This is always tricky for me because we adopted Mm. out of birth order. So I'm Mm. always like, you know, do you go from oldest to youngest? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll go in order of how they came to our family. So Calvin is 13. He'll be 14 Mm. soon. And he's in middle school. He was born in South Korea. Um, Ruby is 12 and she was born domestically. Silas turns 10 tomorrow. OMG. Oh I my love gosh. Him. He's such a quirky guy. <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, he was also born in South Korea. So for him, we got to go over there and bring him home. And that was a, a pretty special experience. And then mm. like, you know how some families have like that surprise when they think their Thank family you. is. Yeah. You I got mean, a big surprise, literally we, big. We, he's literally quite big. Yeah. He is you know, six foot four or something ridiculous. And his name is Robert and he's 24 now. Right. And he came into our family when he was 19 years old. Yes. Just like the normal way people do things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just go ahead and adopt a grown man (laughs) with two twin babies of his own. (laughs) I'm glad you included that bit. I mean, (laughs) it is like such, um, I love your family. And I love the way all your kids came into your family. And I love the way you love your kids. I've learned a lot by watching you parent Robert and, um, young parenting, young adults is already a weird category that is strange. And I find a lack of instruction on it, but then you, you parent a young adult with twins and a life. And (laughs) I don't know who's your instructor. I don't know who your mentor is. Right. I mean, that's what we found. So he was, you know, when he came into our family, we had known him kind of at the fringes of our life a little bit more for a couple of years. And then he went to jail and then he went to prison. And so when he, that's kind of, you know, during that time of incarceration for him was when we were able to just like go all in Hmm. like, okay. I just remember thinking, now I always know where you are. <laughs> like oh, now well, you're gonna, lining. you're gonna mm-hmm. take my calls every single right. time because True. it was a you know when he was mm. in the years leading up to that he would just kind of disappear for a while and it was always right. really stressful for me. So of course, as you know, it was really um, heartbreaking and traumatic for everybody when he was arrested. But there was this little part of me that was like, okay, so mm-hmm. you know, we just that when he was in jail, that was our first experience of any kind with a jail. Mm. Um, And so we started visiting him in jail and then in prison. Um, We went to all of his court hearings and, you know, God just has a really surprising way of making a family sometimes. That's a fact. Yeah, we were just, we were becoming a family. We were practicing being a family and that's how it all kind of happened. However, when he was released from prison, you know, he came to live with us he has a room in the basement, you know, he had his cigarette right. behind his ear and his ankle sure. monitor on. Yep. Um, and so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to parent an adult ish yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, but also, you know, we're parenting this kid who had, who had really not been parented before. Right. And so we were all just a disaster. I mean, I, mean, I literally cannot imagine. Oh my gosh. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, but we just, this is long haul stuff, you know? So we just, we just made mistakes along the way and we screamed and cussed at each other sometimes. And we, I mean, it was just, every emotion was heightened. It was winter here. So we're all like cooped up in the house. Right. It makes you, it's your own brand of crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you know, it's, this is how families grow together. I mean, this is what, this is what God used to just really 
tighten us up. And yeah, it's been a beautiful thing and a very stressful thing sometimes. So, I mean, without question, I, um, I actually learned so much kind of watching you navigate that and, and you still are, it's not as if it's over like now it's all solved. I mean, that's, that's silly. Um, but I, I really was moved by the way that you did this. I'm, I, what I particularly loved that you, that you showed us. In fact, I'm just going to jump ahead. We're jumping ahead and we're going (laughs) to, and then we're going to come back and then we'll get back to there in a minute. But this is a quote out of your book that's about to come out, Ministry of Ordinary Places, which as you know, I love. Um, This is something that you said, and I watched you do this particularly um, you've nestled it here in the context of neighbors, but I watched you do this in your own home too. You said, our purpose is not so mysterious after all. We get to love and be loved deeply right where we're planted by whomever happens to be near. We will inevitably encounter brokenness we cannot fix, solve, or understand, and we'll feel as small, uncertain, and outpaced as we have ever felt. But we'll find our very lives in this calling to be among people as Jesus was, and it will change everything. I um, This is your message, yeah. and you've lived it, and so I trust you. And, you know, I think a lot of my listeners, and frankly, probably a lot of your readers too, um, are still in that space of life and parenting where there is at least the illusion of control. That if we, if we put the right ingredients in the soup pot, we're going to get the guaranteed outcome that we're hoping for. And certainly our involvement in it, that if it goes sideways, well, we can fix it mm-hmm. or we can solve it or we can put the right steps into play and somehow get to a tidier ending. And one thing that I really love about watching you live and lead is that you just dismantle that because it's not true. And anybody right. who's lived life will tell you it's not true. That right. that just, that slowly dissipates in our hands like sand. Um, and so I, I just, I, I, I'm proud of you. And I thank you for kind of having the courage to say that. Do you ever feel um, or have you felt tempted to, to formalize it all, to, to offer more scripts and more right. steps? You know what I mean? Right. A lot of yeah. people want that from their leaders, their spiritual leaders specifically. Right. I mean, I want it from right. you or from anybody right. else who has. I mean, that's yes. the thing is that, you know, I understand that because when we adopted Silas and brought him home, he was, you know, the, Ruby was newborn. Calvin was an infant. Then Silas was 18 months old. And, you know, to so many people, that's like, oh, he's a little baby. Mm. And he was. But for Mm -hmm. us, you know, after our first two adoptions were like these helpless little infants, I remember thinking like, he's grown. Right. (laughs) Like Like he needs an apartment. (laughs) And and he kind of carries himself in that way and always has. But, you know, he, he came with a different sort of pain. And yeah. a different sort of grief where, you know, he was just able to articulate it and express it in yeah. a more palpable way. And so we felt that and we felt it for years. And, you know, parenting him has been a really wild ride. Um, yeah. and, and that's what I think parenting Silas has been the thing that sort of set us up for. Number one, we realized with him for the first time, like he, he was our entryway into walking towards somebody's pain Hmm. in a, in the most literal and basic sense. Like it was like, we now have this grieving toddler who is kind of afraid of us and is, you know, wants to go home. And I just remember having this overwhelming feeling of like, kid, we, I'm so sorry, but we are, we're all you've got right now. And we've got to, you know, there was no option at that point to just, other than to just like, to just nosedive straight into his pain and his trauma. And right. and I didn't know at the time that that was going to really serve us well down the road. Mm-hmm. But when when it's Robert, it's this whole new scale of really understanding in sometimes painful ways. Like it is not my job mm-hmm. to ensure um his salvation or his faith yeah. or you know like I heard somebody talk once during that time and it, it really struck me, but you know, it was, it was an, another person in the world on the internet or whatever. And she was saying, you know, people disagree with 
certain things about my life, but my kids are serving the Lord. And that's how I know that I'm a good mom. And I remember uh, I'm standing oh, in the bathroom, yikes. like getting ready. And I'm thinking like, uh-uh, uh-uh. oh man, you know, yep. so it's, it's just exactly. a matter of really, really trying to parent with open hands because that's yep. all we can do. And Robert is not walking with the Lord right now. And yep. it's not something that is important to him. And we just love him. We right. love him. We love him. And God is, you know, God's doing his own thing in Robert's heart. And I, we just have to stand back and let it unfold. That's just it. Like at the end of that, at the, at the end of the line, it is this moment of kind of surrender where we finally just have to fully admit, oh, this is just, this is literally all I can do here. This is, this right. is not under my control. Right. And I have to release my white knuckle grip on it and it will be what it's going to be. And that moment I think is hard for women in general. I, I think we've, we've, it's been suggested to us that we can, we can do better than that. Right. Right. We can, right. we can hang on tight enough and pull the reins fierce enough that we will steer the ship. And, um, and I just, I crave people to tell the truth in this space, which is why I listen to every word you say, because you tell the truth and, and, and there's really, there's joy and beauty in it too. It's not like, well, this is fake, pretty news. And all of Shannon's is bad, hard news. It's not like that at all. It's just honest. And I'm, I'm drawn to it. So listen, let's, um, I'm going to, we're going to pull back a little bit sooner in your life. I want to talk to you a little bit about you as a writer and as a reader. And um, uh, tell us just a teeny bit about when you were a kid, when you were growing up, like what did that look like for you? And then specifically, how did reading and writing and books factor in when you were growing up? Yeah. Ooh, I love this. Um, I Okay. So just like the broad picture of Shannon when she was a child, like picture somebody who grew eight inches when she was in oh eighth grade. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and listen, everybody, what you also need to picture is that Shannon is, are you 5'11"? I'm 5'10". But, okay, 5'10", became... willowy as a little tree. <laughs> and Well, okay, it's true. It's true. I mean, and I don't know, I'm the only one in my family. I'm this weird anomaly. Nobody else is tall. It's a, it's a whole thing. And so, of course, you know, all the jokes, my whole childhood, I've, I've heard them all. Yes. But all that to say, like, I was sort of directed into a more nerdy path. I think, I despite, see. you know, uh-huh. I wasn't going to be, I was tall, but I, I don't, I don't have an athletic bone in my body, right? which is, you know, that's really unfortunate. Um, it's sad for us both. This is, sad. we always have to part ways around sports it is, and I know we'll come I'm, back together around pickles. It's right. fine. There's always food. Yeah. It's fine. There's always food. Yes. Um. So I was, you know, I was very, I was always bookish. I was always mm-hmm. a reader. I mean, my mom, you know, when I was in elementary school, my mom, once my younger sister went to kindergarten, my mom went to school to become a nurse. Like she did that like mm. heroic, amazing thing and yeah. started into nursing school, you know, full time. And I, she would sometimes have me, I remember this clearly, she would be laying in bed. I mean, she was just stressed the heck out all the time because yeah. she's got us three kids, you know, she's doing the most all the time. Totally. And so she would sometimes have me read her nursing textbooks to her. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? I didn't know what any of it meant, but I was just a good reader. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always been, I've <laughs> always amazing. been into books and reading. <laughs> I was just always that kid who was reading, mm, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I, we, we lived in a real, you know, out in the country outside of a tiny little village. And so we had one little library with like one or two rows of teen romance it's, novels mm-hmm. and I sure. just devoured them. They were all the same. All the same. I'm, I mean, I read the whole Sweet Valley High series. Every book is the same. Every same. All the um, lead characters are named Heather or Stephanie, all the same. I love them. They all had blonde hair. Yeah, they all had blonde hair. I mean, in in that series, there were two of them with blonde hair. Jessica and somebody, I don't know. But I mean, I just, I read whatever I could get my hands on. And so books were always an important part of my life. Now, writing for me did not happen until a lot later. I mean, I didn't, Mm. I didn't grow up at all thinking, you know, that I wanted to be a writer. I just wanted to read constantly. And so that's what I Mm. did. Well, okay. So let's pick up that thread because you, when you were little, you described your, like the ultimate fantasy as having a farmhouse. Yes. So you actually conjured that. 
you did you that came about for you. So I want I want to talk a little bit about how that piece of your life was sort of formed and came to be, yeah. and then how that rolled a little bit into Flower Patch Farm Girl. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of the life that I grew up in. So I lived in my parents still live there in Ohio. This this really beautiful. I mean, it, to me, it's really beautiful. It's nothing special mm-hmm. or fancy, but you know, to me, it's still home and super meaningful. But it was a white farmhouse on two acres. I mean, my dad was not a farmer. Sometimes we had cows and sometimes we had pigs when I was growing up. Um, But we were not farm people, but we were country people. And we were, I just, I remember my dad, like he would credit, you know, he did that, that sweet dad thing of telling us often that, you know, he had the best three kids Mm. forever were, but he often kind of connected that to where we lived. Um, and he would say, like, he would kind of, he would kind of point to like, oh, you know, we're, we're out here on God's country and this is, you know, you guys, you can't run off with your friends every time you want to, you know, we, we had a little bit of like a buffer there and he, in his mind, and I don't, I don't necessarily carry, you know, I don't hold that as necessarily being true. And he was also, um, forgetting a lot of the terrible things we had done and would do in those moments. Of course. Um, but, you know, he, I think that was, that was key for me and building this idea of like, oh, this is what kids need. This sure. is what makes, you know, we're going back to that earlier question of like, what, what can we prescribe for ourselves <laughs> to, to ensure That's right. that our kids don't make mistakes. And so of I course. had always kind of heard that message of like, you know, you live, you, you live out in the country and, you know, you're kind of away from things. And, you know, there was a little bit of kind of that fear of like the world happening, Mm -hmm. you know, so keep us kind of sequestered a little bit as much as you can. Um, But beyond that, I just, you know, I always feel like I'm kind of a farm girl at heart. Like I just like that slower pace. I like farmy kind of rural things. You know, this is just, I grew up in a community that was just really centered around those things and valued them and, you know, just very salt of the earth people. And um, so along the way, I mean, I just decided like, this is the life for me. This is the life I want to give my kids someday. And, you know, when Corey and I got married, we lived in the crappy basement apartment for a while. Mm -hmm. And then we lived in Washington DC for a while and, you know, worked on Capitol Hill and did some interesting things there. And then we moved back and eventually we did, we did buy that, that beautiful white yep. farmhouse that I had dreamed of with the big wide porch yep. and the long lane and the pastures and the everything. And at that point, I just, you know, we really believed that we had arrived. Right. And so sort of in that space with those dreams readily in hand, you kind of picked up your pen. I mean, this yeah. was when Shannon, the reader kind of turned into Shannon, the writer, and you started blogging really back when blogging was at its, in its heyday. Right. Um, and so you started flower patch farm girl and, and what was that like for you? Like that season of writing and developing your voice and your style and your messaging and your audience. And, uh, I just, that almost feels like a little bit of glittery magic time, yeah. um, from the outside. I don't know what it was like on the inside. Mm, it was, I mean, I think it was a really precious time in my life. Um, you know, I had these two babies. At that time, we had Calvin and Ruby. I think when we moved to the farm, Ruby had just turned a year old. So Calvin would have been, you know, a year and a half older than that. So they were both little. So I started that blog. And, you know, it's it's kind of one of those stories where I remember it was like New Year's Eve. Like, what could be a more New Year's Eve thing to do than to start a blog? That is so true. <laughs> what year was that? Do you remember? I don't. I mean, I feel like I've been saying 10 years ago for... 15. Five years, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Calvin would have been, I mean, it was probably some, we'll just say somewhere around 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Corey had finally gone to bed that night and I just remember sitting there and thinking like, you know, open up, you know, you find out what, a, where to blog or how to do that. Uh-huh. And what I remember, WordPress? I, yes. right. I remember <laughs> typing into the, you know, where you like pick your name because nobody had their actual name. Oh, right. Everything was cutesy. Everything yeah. was cutesy. And you will appreciate this because the first thing I tapped, because I was, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking, okay, what should I call this? What do I like? So I type into uh-huh. the search bar, um, foodie farm girl. Foodie farm girl. <laughs> I love this. I just I almost can't believe that's not what it was. Well, it would have been, but somebody already had taken it. 
So I'm like, well, okay, you know, crap, that doesn't work. So, okay, what else do I like? Well, I like flowers. (laughs) Uh Yeah, you're just going stream of consciousness here. Stream of consciousness, like alliteration helps. Sure. Type it in and there it is. And that was my name from that point on. I gave it no more thought than that. Right. 45 seconds. Right. For years after that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember thinking and like, I'm just going to out myself in all of my insanity and weirdness. But I remember really believing like that was, that moment was inspired by the Lord. (laughs) Like this is, there could never be a better name than Flower Patch Farm Girl. That's right. This was delivered into my brain (laughs) by the angels. Exactly. I remember a couple of years prior to that, Corey and I were on a vacation and I remember saying to him, I just wish there was a way to write about, <laughs> like, I was like trying to imagine. I didn't even have the language for what a blog was. You were inventing I was, blogging. I was inventing blogging on our vacation. Yes. Like, wouldn't yes. that be cool if I could like <laughs> show a picture of our clothesline right. and then write words and about <laughs> why, why clotheslines matter and then share it with the world. And so that's basically <laughs> that was like my profile for blogging for totally why clotheslines matter um it's interesting i i like this part of your story because there was so much development in there at the time so much writing development and craft development yeah um that's i deeply tie that into a lot of your work and and so it's interesting can you talk a little bit about how all of this morphed forward in your life when you uprooted and i want you to talk about that and moved to goshen and then how sort of this work of yours gave way to falling free um, and how your content shifted so much um, as your life shifted. Yeah. I, you know, I started to really, during that time, like I would, I started to see the world through photography and I am not a photographer at all. I mean, I don't, I, I learned the basics, you know, Corey kind of got interested in photography during that time. And, you know, started to get some better equipment. And I learned just enough. You know, this is sure. smartphones, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had this big honking DSLR camera and I learned, I knew just enough to be dangerous with it. Sure. That's um, basically my whole life. Right, right. <laughs> yes. But I, but I, I started to, like, I found that my writing during that time was really informed by the pictures I was taking. So a lot of times, I mean, Jen, I was blogging an obscene amount. Mm-hmm. Like every farm. day. Uh, uh-huh. And quite literally, I mean, like uh-huh. five and six times a week. Yeah. And I, I don't even know how that was possible. Right. No, actually seems insane now that you had toddlers in the house. Well, and I just don't know, like, why did that, why did that seem like a good idea? Much less like, when did I do it? I mean, but what I, what I didn't realize was that I was, you know, my, my voice as a writer was sort of blooming. Um, Mm. I didn't know that. I mean, I had no aspirations of being, you know, a quote writer. I was just kind of messing around and having fun. You get to follow where it leads you. And there's just a bit of freedom that you just described in there that sounds really delightful, actually. I mean, I feel like I spend a lot of my writing life now trying to recapture some of that. Mm. And it's, it's hard to do, you know, and I think that's where Instagram and things like that can really fill that. That gap, because I think there is something just real. It's really beautiful to, like you said, like the stakes are really low, yeah, and we get to just write. So I was writing a lot about like the early growth of my blog. Strangely, came through decorating blogs, right? So a couple of them kind of found me. You know, I'm really that. Not strangely, by the way. I want people to know that they're listening. (laughs) You're gifted at this. Say what you want. You have a really creative eye and a really specific design point of view. And it is enchanting. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've always really enjoyed. And so, you know, that's where people started to find me through some of those things. Not long after that, we, like Corey and I just had our world just completely rocked. And I, I mean, all of this is in falling free. And so there's just, there's really too much to even go into all of it here. Um, But we just came to a pretty pivotal moment in our faith of realizing that, you know, God had more for us and his more for us was going to look like less. And yes. from that point, we did put that farmhouse on the market. And and really, it's it's interesting to think back because a lot of my blog readers at the time, they had become really attached to my farm. 
Of course. I did, but I didn't really understand that. I remember thinking like, why do you care? Like, I'll still be blogging. Why is everybody kind of upset about this? You don't even yes. know me. But this is right. the power. This is the power of writing that I didn't, That's I wasn't right. even really mm, aware of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we sold, we sold that farm and we moved to just a very ordinary, um, kind of shabby, you know, pretty overlooked, low income neighborhood in a nearby city. I mean, we didn't move far. We moved 20 minutes away, but it was like a whole new world for us. Totally. And at that point, like, you know, the shift had started to happen in in the months leading up to our move, you know, when everything is kind of stirring inside of us. And, you know, during that time we brought Silas home. So that was just a whole new layer of um, feelings and emotions and processing things. I, my writing took a pretty sharp turn during that time. But again, I mean, I wasn't thinking through the lens of a businesswoman at all. I wasn't thinking through the idea of a brand or, you know, what totally. do people expect from me? I was just writing my guts out, which is, yeah. which is what I had kind of learned to do. And so I went from writing, you know, cute kids, what I'm making for dinner and, yeah. curtains. you know, curtains, yes, to mm-hmm. like grappling deeply totally. with like, with like really deep questions of the soul about faith yes. and about finances and about um, community. Um, and so that shift had started to kind of happen. We moved to the city and that's the point where I felt like, okay, these two things are coming together. You know, mm. at that point, I kind of knew that writing was, was kind of taking on a life of its own within me. Like at that yeah. point I was, I remember talking to my friend and I think your friend as well, Emily Freeman. Yeah. And, and I had a conversation with her in person and I said, you know, if I'm ever a writer and she just mm. like hard stop. <sighs> Like, totally. Shut your mouth. What do you mean? <laughs> just look what, at me. What planet are you living on? Right. I mean, she yes. gave me a real hard, like, look me in the eye. You are a writer now. And I remember yeah. being like, what? I am? Um, so I'm really grateful for her, for those words because, you know, our words that that we speak into people's lives, they take 100% and they matter. So, yeah, you know, I, I look back now and I say, you know, I found my voice in the country and then I found mm-hmm. my story in the city. That's so good. Oh my gosh. That's where it kind of came together. And, and, you know, Mm. the train left the station at that point. I was a part of your reader community as you were going through that too. And because you wrote through that season with such sincerity and without any agenda, uh, you're not like an agenda kind of a writer, um, that, that comes through true. And so you didn't, it, it didn't feel jarring. It didn't scare most of us off. Of course, not me, but I think a lot of your readers stayed because, um, you were our person who had built the farm world for us out of words. And it was sort of that same touch that was bringing us into the city with, with honesty and with angst. And it was, um, I mean, I couldn't look away to be honest. And, and for everybody listening, if you haven't read it, this is the story that Shannon kind of writes in her first book, which is called falling free. I wrote the forward for it. I believe in it so much and, and it's lovely and it's not prescriptive. And so I don't want you to think, Oh, I don't, I don't need a book to give me steps on. No, it's not that at all. It's a story and it's really profoundly wonderful. Hey guys, I wanted to follow up on something we've been talking about these past few weeks while we've been in this very, very amazing For the Love of Books series. You've probably heard me talk about author school and I hope you were able to get signed up, but maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe you're right on the cusp of that big leap into pursuing publishing, but you feel like you just need to do the time and earn your stripes first. So if that's you, there are two great options from the same team behind author school that I want you to consider. The first is the Clumsy Bloggers Workshop, which is a six-week course that will teach you how to start your own blog, share your words, and grow your own community. Then there's also Author Blog, which is a resource to help writers like you design a website specifically for authors, whether you're a fiction or nonfiction writer. Their websites are built to help you share your words, grow your platform, and sell your books. So you can take advantage of both of these incredible resources by going to authorschool.com slash Jen Hatmaker. 
So when you use that link, just for our For the Love podcast listeners, there's also a built-in 10% discount for both of those services. So you'll get a little love from us to start you on your way to realizing your writing dreams because you guys know what I always say, there is always more room at the table. If you have a dream to write, if you have a story to tell, it's time to tell it. I believe in you, I believe in your work, I believe in your potential. So visit authorschool.com slash Jen Hatmaker today to take advantage of these two phenomenal services for authors. I want to go back to something you were just talking about when you were talking to Emily. Um, again, I know that a lot of my listeners already read your work, um, if for no other reason that I've seen, like I'm just constantly putting you in front of them. <laughs> I've literally put you in all my spaces. Like here's my friend Shannon. If you're not reading her, you're done. Um, but what, if they're new to you, what I do want them to know, and I would love for us to talk about this for just a minute before we move into ministry of ordinary places is um, you. And I've said this to you and I've said this about you a hundred times you are a writer's writer. And so the mere fact that you would ever say, if I'm ever a writer, makes me want to throw my head back and cackle <laughs> like a witch. I mean, you are a writer's writer. So not only do you love books, um, but you obviously write uh, from a place of someone who cherishes the process, who cherishes the choosing of words, the way a story can be unfold, like just literary magic, you you do. And so you are a good writer. Um, and so I would like to know a little bit more about your process. How do you write best? What does that look like for you? And then yeah, ultimately, how did you like navigate your way into what looks like more traditional publishing and like books that are on a shelf that people can buy with their cash? So when I came to the city and to the neighborhood. I mean, there was a shift that had to take place where yeah. I had to sort of retrain my vision um, or, you know, find a new lens for seeing this. I just remember getting here and thinking like, okay, here we are. We're thrilled to be here. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Now mm -hmm. I, it is like vital that I, that I begin to find this beautiful. And so mm -hmm. it took some intention there because, and, and my heart just wanted it. I mean, I had to be intentional mm -hmm. about it, but I also like for, for the life of my soul and for my writing, I mean, I just started walking around and doing what I did in the country. Like I'm just going to go for walks and I'm going to take pictures of things. And, and as I did that, you know, that, that place in me sort of turned towards the idea that, that we really can find God's goodness and his beauty, any old place we look. I mean, right. it's, it's there, it's around us. Um, and so that's always been, that's always been meaningful for me to look, you know, to look at my surroundings and then like almost kind of a, you know, and I, I've never thought of this in real formal ways. I've never taken a writing class ever. So I, mm -hmm. you know, right. I, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like I don't really know what I'm doing here, but just to, you know, to kind of do that thing that seems kind of writerly maybe of like, okay, what does this make me feel? What am I feeling when Good. I look at this picture? And what does mm -hmm. that mean? And, you know, so you kind of, for me, I've always kind of started with the image and built my way out a lot of the time. Yes. Um, now, as far as like going, you know, a little bit about my publishing journey, I remember, you know, right around the time, the first year or two that I was here in this house, we've been here for six years now. And yeah. around that time, a lot of what I would consider like my colleagues, you know, other writers, other bloggers, mm -hmm. they were um, just shooting to the moon with yeah. deals is how it felt for me. That's right. They did. And, and a lot of them had the story of like, um, somebody approached me and offered yeah. me a book deal or, you know, an agent yeah. reached out to me and asked me if I would write a book. And, and I was seeing that happen all around me and I was not mm -hmm. seeing it happen to me. And I had to really mm -hmm. grapple with that and sure. to to really, you know, at that point I was kind of, that was something that I was hoping for and, you know, kind of wishing for. And I started to come to the place of like, okay, it's not going to happen for me. Like nobody's beaten down yeah. my door. Um, and so I took a much more traditional path into publishing. So, you know, time just kept passing and, and I just kept, I just kept blogging. I just kept doing my yeah. thing, you know, yes. in those spare moments of life and doing it because I loved it and because I needed it. 
And at some point, you know, somebody connected me with an agent and we worked on writing a proposal and we submitted it to publishers. And, you know, it was all the very sort of traditional way for me. Yes, I know. I remember banging your drum really, really hard because there was some sort of arbitrary system in place at the time when there were such a plethora of writers who had found their space and voice online. Um, and, and it just, I remember just thinking, this feels so clear. This is, this, this person needs to put books on our shelves. Aww. This writer, uh, you know, I think that, I, I mean, know. that, that is, I'm so I, you grateful. know, I mean that sincerely. I, I, that's real. And, and I, we're better for it. We're better for your work. And, and you're such a good writer. Like I care about that. You do too. I care about it. I love a good story. I adore a good message, but when it is packaged in good writing, that's it. Lay me out. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. I mean, well, and I, that is it. it. cannot go without saying that that is how, I mean, I found you, like we kind of found each other through this time. I will never forget. I mean, it was right in between, you know, we lived in a rental house for a little bit yeah. in between. And that's where, I mean, that's where I found you, the things you were writing about. I mean, you know, that's when I, that's when kind of, you know, I, I talk about my, what I'm writing about taking a shift and I've really pretty quickly and in a way that that probably gave some people a little bit of whiplash. I mean, I started writing about some pretty like heavy hitting things. So You really did. Because I couldn't help it. And now I know why. Now I know about the Enneagram and it totally. all makes sense. But at the It does. You're like, let's talk about the prison or the school to prison pipeline, everybody. Right. Pull up a chair. <laughs> but at the same time, like I would do that and be like, and also this is the recipe of what I'm making for dinner tonight. Yep. I mean, I just, and you still do that. I do. I just, didn't, s- I didn't know any yep. other way. And so I just, no. I just brought this whole, you know, my eyes were being opened in such a shocking way to injustice. Yes. I mean, you know, for as long as we had lived life trying to, you know, to make our life as comfortable and safe and peaceful as possible, right. it was like the lid blew off. And now I'm, you know, now I'm, totally. I'm really waking up to injustice and I have no, I have no option but to write about no, it. No, I know. But I'm still making dinner too because that's something I right. like to do. So, you know, you There's get still it all. salsa. Yeah, exactly. I know. I don't, we don't have to just um, select uh, one line item. You know, you do get to live a whole life and an integrated life, which sometimes includes dinner and it right. sometimes includes jail. Right. Like True. it's, it's, um, that's not necessarily an easy needle to thread. Um, but it does bring us to the ministry of ordinary places, uh, which comes out October, is it October 9th? 9th, Um, and I want to talk about it for just a minute because you, we really get a front row seat to what you've learned in the last six years in the city and, um, what, what you've discovered and how your heart is being formed. And, um, and I really love the approach, which is. Um, this is what we do. This is what we're afraid of, but here's how we live our life. We live ordinary lives alongside people who don't necessarily look or think or believe like we do. And we're not scared of that. And we don't remain distant from that or cold from that or afraid of that. And, and so this, I, I can't think of, I literally cannot think of anything we need more than this right now. I can't think of it. Yeah. When I am looking around at our culture right now and just it's frayed at the edges. I mean, it is absolutely frayed. And I think this would bring us back to center. I think this would bring us back to the table. And so I wonder if just for a minute, you can talk about it, talk about the book a little bit, talk about your sort of the, what it it has to tell us, what we can expect out of it. Yeah. You know, I think that's where really the heart of the book was born was that I was having more and more of those moments that you just described that were like, this is a disaster, (laughs) you know, like just looking around. I mean, I remember, you know, one morning showing up, this was a couple of years ago. Um, and I showed up at the coffee shop where I spend a lot of time. It's like my satellite office and, you know, I go there and write and whatever. Mm -hmm. And there was a friend of mine also there And we just sat, we just gravitated to the same table. We did not mean to meet up, but we did. And we just sat there and we both cried. (laughs) I mean, I just like, but I was having more of those moments of like, I don't know what to do with this. Like the problems feel so big 
and I feel so small and, you know, I'm feeling all of it and I'm feeling the anxiety and you, you know, it, it's easy to either, um, just like throw your hands up and surrender, like, oh, well, this is too big and, and I'm just me. So I guess I'm not going to worry about it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to just feel overwhelmed or unsure, you know, all of these emotions came in and every time that happened, you know, I walked away from, from that, from having coffee with my girlfriend and thinking, this is it. Like the, Uh this, the balm, the salve to some of this, you know, Uh this just high level anxiety and, and worry is to just be with the people around us in as meaningful a way as we can. And that's so good. I found that that's the bottom time line. And time again, yeah. If we can bring ourselves down out of the clouds of of fear and stress and worry uh-huh. and fracture, and get mm. low to the ground, like really come down to street level, and you know, look around. And I would add to that, even out of the clouds of um, control and yeah. uh, savior mentality. And I will redeem the neighborhood single-handedly and this sort of us and them space too. Like that is an equal temptation. Absolutely. Um, None none of that has any place. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we look around, I mean, that, that became kind of my mantra after moving to the neighborhood, you know, after the excitement wears off or after, you know, we were, we were excited. Mm. We were nervous. We, you know, Mm -hmm. we didn't know why we were here because we knew you know, we've learned so much over the past six years of being here, but coming in, we didn't know a lot, but we knew that we weren't here to plant a church or to start a food bank or to start a Bible study. I mean, we knew, but, but all that's fine and good until you settle in and this slowly becomes the new normal. And I just remember Hmm. like, okay, (laughs) now what? And now what? Like I I felt the impulse of like, what's the task? I need to go drum up some business. Mm -hmm. I need to find something to do. Mm -hmm. We found that our life in the neighborhood, you know, while our, you know, while our eyes were being open to so many things, I mean, I, you know, I say all the time that my neighbors have changed my life because they just have, I mean, they live, they have stories that are just unbelievable. They've lived incomprehensibly hard lives. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of our friends are, you know, they're, they're coming out of incarceration. They're wrestling through addiction, you know, they've grown up in generational poverty. They're they're newcomers to our country. I mean, all of these things are true. And so our lives are just, you know, we're just we're just sitting here learning to listen and play catch up and learn. Totally. Um but but there's something really meaningful about, you know, when when I hit that wall of like, okay, now this is starting to feel comfortable. Is that bad? You know, now I'm mm, oh interesting. Do I need to move mm-hmm. again? You know, and every time I just thought that the answer was to just really pay attention. And it sounds so basic, but to get really intentional about looking around. And what I, what I started to see was that a lot of these problems that I felt like, well, I can't do anything about that. They would kind of present themselves in my place, you know, in my Mm -hmm. world in, in a small way. It's like, you know, these problems that are in the news cycles and in our Twitter feeds or whatever, if you boil them down, a lot of times we can see a similar pain right where we are in our neighborhood. Sure. And like you said, the at that point, it's it's not a matter of like, well, I guess I'm gonna go fix this person. Right. Or, but what it what it really is is like really drawing near to that person, really mm-hmm. drawing near to the person around you, the people around you, and and learning to love them like mm-hmm. we're really called to do. And it's not hard. I mean, that's what I find. Yeah. Like these are it, it's not hard to love my neighbors. It's and it's very mm. rich and rewarding and humbling mm-hmm. to really be loved by them, to learn to receive mm. from them, you know, to not to not always be the giver, but to be really receiving from yeah. them. I mean, that was just it, it it just changed everything for us. It changed the way we think. We started to to really, you know, kind of pick apart our faith and figure out mm. um what needed to stay and what needed to go and you know, put it back together and I mean, it, it just, it changed everything. Hmm. Tell me, just tell me, tell us a little bit more about your neighbors. Like what's one of your favorite stories about your neighbors that you included in the book? Well, this is kind of a, you know, writing can sometimes be a little bit magical. And let me first start off by saying like, I, I do not take lightly sharing any part 
of my neighbor's stories in any of my Oh, writing. I know you don't. Oh, I, I mean, know you don't. You're super this careful. This is like the, it's the tension that I hope I always carry with trembling mm. hands, you know, but it's, it's, it's pretty meaningful because the people that I, that I write about, they're, they're my truest and closest friends. I mean, they are right, exactly. they're people that we see many times a week that are in our homes yeah. and we're in their homes. And so it's, you know, it's important for me to, to go to them and say like, here's what I wrote. Are you okay with this? Uh-huh. Do you want me to change your totally. name or do you want your regular name? And most, I have to do that all the time. It's important. Well, that's it's just important. because we write about the people that we right. love and we write about the people that are in our lives. Yeah. And so, and, and yes, of course. It's important to tell these stories and to tell them carefully yeah. and, you know, with a lot of tenderness, but you know, we find, and Corey finds this with his friends at the jail, like they're just by and large, like they're super um, excited to be a part yeah. of it. And they, they generally want their, their real names to be used. Their name used, yeah. when he takes pictures in the jail, if if the guys haven't been sent, sentenced, they have to cover their face up. Like, you can't show them. Oh, yeah. And so they'll hold a book in front of their face or whatever. But Corey's like, we had to take this picture 20 times because people kept <laughs> dropping the book on purpose. Like, they want their faces <laughs> to be hilarious. seen. So, yeah. These oh, are my just, gosh. I love that. They're just incredible people. That's so cute. But I wrote mm. in Falling Free about a couple of our friends. And at the time, I... I didn't know them well. And I wrote it as just a very, you know, kind of like a side story that, you know, I'm in my house one day doing my thing. I'm, I'm in the phase where I'm pretty desperate to get to know my neighbors. And I hear this, this rowdy band of like chaos walk past my living room windows. And what I determined and discerned was that they had a child who needed, who needed a bathroom stat, like right now. Got it. Yeah. And so I flew out the door. I had no, I've never seen these people before. And I said, do you want to right. come in and use my bathroom? And they did. Yes. And so, you know, I ended up like sticking my move. foot in my mouth during that time. Yeah. And, and that was really the last time I saw them. Like it was just that they were, our neighborhood is full of rental properties. They were renting and then they were gone. Mm-hmm. Um, not so long after that, you know, a couple of years after that, I was in church and this woman came up to me and was mm-hmm. like, hi, you know, she suddenly yeah. knew who I was. Um, and she knew who I was because she had just been to jail and was now out of jail, yeah. but had read my book while she was in jail. Like the whole thing was nonsense, yeah. crazy. Right now, fast forward into the writing of this book and they're like a humongous part of my life. It, <sighs> they are tremendously dear and special people. They're, they're coming up on a year of sobriety, both of them right now. Yes. They just had um, a, a new adorable little baby. And they are the family that um, just moved into uh, the new jail uh-huh. ministry house. So this yeah. is where I see like, you know, let's not despise really ordinary things and really ordinary That's moments. Great. Like it sounds so trite, but but that that impulse that I had to just like offer them my bathroom. Yeah. It, it came full circle. And that's where I, I also sure really key into the the truth of like it matters when we can commit to something for the long haul. Like they mm. had they had lived an entire lifetime from you know from falling free to the ministry of ordinary places. But when they came back, we were still here. Mm, and I good. don't know that we'll always be here. I kind of hope we are. I keep kind of throwing that out to God whenever I have the opportunity. Like mm-hmm. You know, we'd we'd sure just like letting your wishes we'd be known. Sure like to stay, just sort of put that on the record. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think there's right. something really meaningful about you know until we're told otherwise to just really to really stick around because you know sometimes just just being present, being available, yeah. it really is the most important thing we can do. I cannot agree more. And you know, I was with you on your proposed book title, yes. which involves that beautiful turn of phrase, yeah. which was love song for the long haul. And I just think it's profoundly simple if I could juxtapose two such words. I, um, and you, you talk about this at great length too, um, as you engage your church, which is also in your neighborhood. And of course we've got to immediately dispel so much of the church development content that we are fed, which is, you know, bigger, shinier, fancier, sexier, and, and become a people who love our weird, clunky, (laughs) awkward little churches and just stay. And we just stay and we just stay. 
And, and there's something so holy in it and just so feels so sacred to me. And it feels so grounded and good. And, um, and you do this too. You, you, this is, this is your ministry of stay and of presence and bathrooms. And I mean, these, this is the stuff of life. And so I, I love this. What would you say that, I mean, it's hard, I know it's hard to speak for them, but what do you think your kids have learned in Goshen in the last six years? You know, I mean, of course, this is a formative part right, of their childhood at this right. point. That's but. what I was going to say for, especially for Silas and even Ruby, this is really all they're ever, I mean, Ruby kind of remembers, know. Yeah. you know, they both kind of have these bits and Silas still calls our farmhouse, the house with a lot of cats. <laughs> because, because we had we had cats, two barn cats. Two. Wow. So that wow. will forever be Overrun. the house with a lot of cats. We were the cat people. Hysterical. Um so I know they they kind of remember it, but but this is and even, you know, Calvin was in second grade when we moved here. I mean, like you said, their formative years have happened here. Yeah. And my hope, I'm always like who knows how this is going to shake out, you know? Totally. Some of them are going to go all in on this. Some are going to grow up and say boy, they just screwed it all up and got it wrong. We're going to do the opposite. Like I have, I have no um, predictions because, you know, like we said earlier, like we're not the boss of this. This isn't my job. Yeah. Um, I'm doing the best that I can. And I hope that where I grew up, you know, I had a beautiful childhood, but it was a very homogenous existence that I was in. I mean, everybody looked like me. Everybody believed like me. Everybody was, you know, the same sort of working class to middle class. I mean, I, and I have amazing parents. So I, you know, I don't want to, to put this too heavily on right. them, but I just, I absorbed the idea that there were good people and there were bad people uh, and that I sure. should stay away from the bad people and that I was one of the good people. And right. I hope that, you know, living in this, in this neighborhood and in this community, for one thing, I mean, you know, my kids, my kids were all adopted. I have brown kids and black kids. Right. Um, but I hope that they are really um, seeing just a truer and wider picture mm-hmm. of the kingdom. That's really like fundamentally my my base hope is that is that they see a very wide representation of the image of God and and of yeah. who carries that image of God, and that they can also see, you know, when mm, we're when we're good. near people. Um, who we're, we're just, Corey and I are always amazed by the humility of some of our friends that there's just, there's no pretense. They're not trying to mm-hmm. hide their past. They're not trying to, you know, be sneaky or put on any airs. Um, and what that does is it invites us to do the mm-hmm. same. It invites us That's to, exactly right. to drop the mask, to be who we are in all of our own wonkiness and, you know, the ways we feel misfit, um, to, talk about our mistakes, you know, it's, it just invites a real level of vulnerability and authenticity. And, you know, that's, that's the stuff that I hope my kids carry on. And they will. I, I just deeply believe that that, that is all caught. It's just because it's the air they breathe. It's not that you're sitting down and doing your family devos, you know, it's not, that's never going to work in families like (laughs) ours. Never. My kids would look like I sprouted two heads. You talk about having a spicy family. Like we are, we are very much with you. And this is, this is the, the cards we've been dealt and they're pretty fun cards. So they're fun cards. I want them. (laughs) I like the cards, but what it just means is we have to build, um, a a life and a world and a neighborhood and connectivity that our kids will see and experience, not just hear about. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm cashing my chips there. We'll see. It's too soon for any of us to know. Like you said, there's no predictions. Will it, it's a crapshoot. Will they, will it stick? No idea. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, I just, I love your life and I respect you and Corey so much. And I love following you. I love learning from you. I, I find your voice so truthful and good. And, and I, and I can suss that out. Like I, I, I know when that's not the case. And, and so I'm just, so grateful that you are continuing to be afforded new ways to bring your voice and your story to the rest of us, um, that your work is growing because I want people to read it and experience it. And so I'm just excited for you and I'm excited about this book. I can't wait. It's about to come out. And as you know, I will, 
I will stand on my chair and I will do all the cheers. I will do a high kick. <laughs> I can't wait. And I can't either, actually. And maybe I'll take a picture of that. Let me ask three quick questions as we wrap this up. This is what we're asking everybody in the book series. Here's the first one. What's the first book that you ever read where you distinctly remember? Oh my gosh, that had a serious impact on me. You know, I would have to say for me, it was a it was a particular author and her name is Elizabeth Berg. I think I have harped on you before about yes. reading her work. And if you haven't yet, yes. I mean, she's a real prolific women's fiction writer. Her body of work, I've read every single book she's written hmm. and she's pretty, you know, she's there for a while. She was, she was coming out with like a book a year. Um, yeah. But her writing style, like she is the author that kind of made me think maybe this writing thing was a cool idea. Jen, she writes about food like you would not believe. Uh-huh. I mean, she writes characters that you just fall in love with. It's easy reading. And so sometimes mm. people get snobby about that. I'm all for like a really compelling, easy read. And a picture, she kind of showed me what it looks like to write like the true heart of a character and to not get so caught mm. She's a beautiful writer. She's for real legit. Oh, okay, yeah. that's fine. We're, listen, everybody, we'll link to all her stuff so you can experience the magic. How about this? What's one book in your life? I can't remember if you and I have talked about being rereaders or not. What's one book in your life that you have read over and over? There are only a few. I'm not a big rereader. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I feel like if you plumbed the depths of your soul, you would know the answer to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is okay. easily tattoos on the heart. Oh, of course. <laughs> Of course. Of course it is. That I mean, there are a couple of novels that I, there's yeah. one called Love Walked In and. Oh, I know. You and I, Marissa yes. Santos. Marissa De Los Santos. De Los Santos. Love her writing. There is one by, is it um, Curtis? No, no, no. Wrong author. I don't know. There, there are a couple of novels that I, The Solace of Leaving Early by Haven Kimmel. Okay. Those are a couple of novels that I've reread and some Elizabeth Berg, but Tattoos on the Heart mm-hmm. is like, yeah. I mean, I could, that could really be my answer to any yeah. reading question. I read that because of you solely. Yeah. And he is a spectacular gift to this planet. Yeah, right. He is so, so special. Um, one last twist on Barbara Brown's question. Um, what do you have a book right now that is saving your life? There are a couple. Um, first of all, I... <laughs> I feel like all of my, I want all my answers to be like, well, part one. Okay. Yeah. Um, A. 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 I'm really, (laughs) really digging and appreciating and loving and learning from the very good gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. Oh yeah. Totally. And I, you know, when I'm finding these books, I'm like, pass them to Corey. Like, okay, this is, Corey does book Mm. clubs in the jail a lot. And I'm, you know, I've just become over the past year, I have been really intentional about reading, um, you know, from people of color, like to really, yeah, me too. I've, and, and it's interesting how hard we have to try sometimes to do that. Like that's always, it's absurd. It is forever a lesson to me mm-hmm. of like, you know, it shouldn't require quite so much intentionality, but it kind of does that's for right. now until we can, until we can change that. Absolutely. Um, so her book was really pivotal for me. And then, you know, from there, I mean, you know, I had read the new Jim Crow. That was just yeah. fantastic. Have you read anything by Jessman Ward? No. Oh my gosh. Give me a title. Um, so I might know the, a title and not an author. The one that I loved from her and it was a recent read. I mean, it's kind of a hard read. So I don't know how you feel. Like, it, you know, it's talking about more like um, gritty sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But for me as the mom of Robert, like it was hugely important. Sure. But the one that I loved was called The Men We Reaped or Men We Reaped. Whoa. And it's. Wow. That's a powerful title. I think that's memoir. That's memoir. It's. Mm. I mean, she's fantastic. I mean, The Hate You Give fantastic. Oh, right. Of course. Um, And I had Lisa Sharon Harper on the podcast and we talked about her book and her work. And to this day, I mean, that was probably two or three months ago to we're still getting emails still of people saying my mind is blown. Oh yeah. I've never heard anybody say some of that before. I never picked up any of those threads ever. And just, you're right. It's profound. I'm pretty sure I texted you Uh after that one, like, what is happening? I mean, and then I may, uh-huh. I, re, I listened to it again with Corey. I mean, I, I've sent it to my parents who don't know how to listen to a podcast. So whatever, 
but I've tried. God bless, same. <laughs> I mean, everybody should go back and, and listen to that episode again. She's just a brilliant woman yeah, who inspires so much action. You know, like that. we just believe, Corey and I's whole thing that we try to operate under is, you know, the way we spend our love is the way we spend our lives. Good. Okay. Listen, real quick, tell everybody just where they can find you, what you're working on now, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I blog still, I mean, you know, not not five to six times a week, every now and then I still do blog at shannonmartinwrites.com. I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram. They are both my equal favorites and I'm at Shannon writes there and it's S H A N N A N writes. Um, yeah, my book is available for pre-order right now. And so you can find all of the information and download gorgeous free mm-hmm. artwork from a stunningly talented mm-hmm. um, artist, Amanda Evanston. I you can saw find that. all of that at ministryofordinaryplaces.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I'm easy to find. She's special. I had not I didn't know her until I started seeing you um post up about her really fabulous. And if you're listening and you're like at the gym or wherever, whatever you're doing when you listen to podcasts, if you go over to jenhatmaker.com, we'll have literally all of this linked. All of Shannon's socials, the book site, everything, everything, everything. Okay, well, you know, I just I just love you so, and I love your family, and I love your life, and I'm just so glad to be your sister and your friend. And so thank you for this labor of love of putting this next book into the world. It's going to be a true gift, and I cannot wait for everybody to read it and love it and be moved by it. And so thank you for being on today. Thank you so much. I loved it. Have a good day. Love her. Love her. Love her. Love her dearly. She is a good egg. Good egg. So like I mentioned, everything she talked about, all of her spaces, social sites, books, recommendations, we'll have it all linked over at jenhatmaker.com underneath the podcast tab, where my amazing assistant and partner, Amanda, builds out a transcript page for you every single week that I hope you are taking advantage of. It is phenomenal. Not only can you find the written interview, but it's bonus content and pictures and links and everything that you could possibly want built around that conversation. So um, it is a tool that we are delighted to provide for you. And I hope that you are absolutely enjoying it. Uh, My team and I love working for you. We love bringing you these guests and these amazing con this amazing content every week um that is my producer laura and her crew who work so much and so hard on this so anyway thank you for being here week in and week out i as i mentioned at the top of the show i'm very proud of this community i'm very proud of my listeners i'm not afraid to put anybody in front of you um and i know that you will treat their stories with respect and with intelligence and with care and so thank you for, for being fabulous and sharing this podcast all the time you do that so much and for subscribing and for rating it and reviewing it that's so great for us you guys and we are grateful 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 next week's gonna be fun um you're not gonna want to miss it so uh, come back we have plenty more where this all came from so in the meantime have a fabulous week Hey guys, we're back for another segment of Jen's Favorite Things. So this is the part of the show where I share about some wonderful companies that are producing amazing products and giving back to charitable organizations and really worthy nonprofits. Plus, they have exclusive discounts and extras just for you, our podcast listeners. So here are today's favorites. Calling all makers and creatives. Jennifer Allwood can show you how to turn your creative hobby into a booming business. Jennifer has an online coaching group called The Creator's Inner Circle, and she has reserved spots just for you, my For the Love listeners. Visit creatorsinnercircle.com slash Hatmaker to learn more. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.